this is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you're all having a good one out there today. Got a lot to get to. Jim Suhan, Star Tribune columnist, will be with me in just a little bit. Another perspective on the Byron Buxton 100 game plan. Almost sounds like a uh, a season ticket package, um, which we'll also get into a little bit with fan reaction to the uh, the notion that the Twins will kind of be monitoring Byron Buxton's knee all year and sitting him periodically to make sure it doesn't get any worse. Um, Jim Suhan will also join me to talk about the Lynx a a little bit. That team starting 0-4 again this season. Another tough game tonight against the LA Sparks and then the, uh, the Las Vegas Aces after that. It's not getting any easier for them, but some reinforcements, maybe better times ahead for that team. Got to get to uh, a little bit of Gophers football recruiting news as well as we uh, as we wrap up the show. But first, what did I miss? You know, last week the NFL schedule came out, and we knew you know we knew who every team was playing home and away. We didn't know the order of games, and for some reason, whenever they put that piece of it out, it feels a lot more final. It feels like we've, we've got a better sense of everything that's going on can kind of map out how a season might go. And I want to do that with the Vikings today. I'm going to, I'm going to predict some wins and losses. I'm going to give you some storylines to watch for as that season goes along. So let's go game by game. Starts, of course, with the Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium Sunday, September 11th. This is the game where everybody's going to say this game will define the season, even though it's just the first of 17. And I get that. I think... You know, this one's certainly important. It's a division game. It's a home game against your biggest rival, the, the team you're trying to top uh, for the uh, for the division title. But, you know, I, I feel like also this is going to be a game where people overblow it a little bit. Even if you start 0-1, it's not the end of the world. That said, I think the Vikings win this game. I think the big storyline going into it, aside from the Vikings-Packers rivalry, aside from opening with Green Bay, is going to be Green Bay wide receiver Christian Watson. Don't forget... Vikings traded with Green Bay and allowed them to draft Christian Watson in the 2022 draft not that long ago. If Watson has a big game in Game 1 and Green Bay beats the Vikings, that is going to be a big, big talker because you know Green Bay losing Devontae Adams and other wide receivers in the offseason needed to restock at wide receiver, and the Vikings tr- allowed them to trade up to take Christian Watson. You could say maybe somebody else would have done the same thing, Yes, but that's going to be scrutinized. Same with Detroit, and we'll get to them in a minute here. Next game at Philadelphia. The big storyline going into that one going to be Kirk Cousins in primetime. That is a uh, that is a Monday night football game in Philadelphia, September 19th. Kirk Cousins not good all time in primetime. We know that. We know the numbers. They're not good. So that is going to be the key storyline going into that one. I think the Vikings lose that one. I think they split the first two games one way or the other. I don't see them losing both. I don't see them winning both. But I see them probably losing at Philadelphia on Monday night, just knowing the track record in primetime games. So Vikings are 1-1. One and one. Now, where do they go from here? Well, home game against Detroit. And it's a kind of a trap, right? Detroit has been a, you know just one of those teams that's generally terrible but also somehow manages to play the Vikings close and again Jamison Williams will be a big storyline in this game the other receiver in the division the Vikings allowed a division opponent to jump up and take in a trade 
That, again, will be something to watch early in the season. But I do think the Vikings win this game. Detroit still without really a quarterback solution right now. So I think the Vikings get that one, go to 2-1. and one. Next game in London against New Orleans, 8.30 a.m. start time. That's a... It's an interesting start time. That'd be kind of nice, right? We get get to October 2nd, you get done with football, at least the Vikings before noon, have the rest of your day to uh, to hang out. I think the Vikings win that game. It's This is part of their schedule advantage this year, right? They have nine home games, seven true road games, and then this neutral site game in London. New Orleans is not going to be very good this season. I think this is probably the year where they fall back even further as they kind of dig out from you know the long-term impact of pushing cap pushing cap with drew Brees, things like that so i think they go to three and one here then it's home against the bears that's been a tricky game for them in recent years but again usually that's towards the end of the year when they need the most i think they beat the bears the bears are not very good um as per usual i know the bears have new kind of some new blood they have a new gm just like the vikings do but i think the vikings win this game four and one everybody fired up Chance to go to 5-1 and one at the bye at Miami. That's where they lay an egg. Lose that game. 4-2, and two, though, feeling good going into the bye. You know, any way you stack these six games up, I think 4-2 and two is the way you get to it going into the bye week. And, you know, I think they're going to be disappointed by that, the, by, by that, but I think they'll be okay at 4-2. and two. Coming out of the bye, home against Arizona, October 30th. My birthday, woo um, I think they win this game pretty easily. I think Arizona is going to kind of fall off a cliff. They started to do it last year. Kyler Murray doesn't seem happy. I don't know what's going on there, but I think Arizona is going to be one of those teams that, you know, was this kind of nice surprising team for a while and now is going to be a team that, that regresses into, you know, maybe a six or seven win season. I think the Vikings cruise in this game five and two at Washington is a tricky one. If, if we're talking about pivot points in the season this is one that i could see being a pretty important one it's a you know kirk cousins going back to washington again that's that's a long time ago that he played there now it's been five years but you know it's still there's still that storyline to watch if they don't get this one they're going to be in a little bit of trouble because next week is at buffalo and they're going to lose that game almost certainly i'm going to give him a win over washington get them to six and two and then at Buffalo, I think they they get uh, Josh Allen picks them apart six and three. Then they got three home games in a row: Dallas, New England, and the Jets. This is an interesting three-game swing. I've got them at six and three going into this three-game swing. I think they win two of these three. They haven't beat New England in forever, and that is a Thanksgiving thursday night game at u.s bank stadium interesting time on that one dallas is going to be tough this year i don't think new england is going to be all that good and then the jets are never that good so i give them the split between dallas and new england it's a short week going into new england um dallas is going to be tough but i think they split those two games beat the jets so i'm at i got my, i got them at eight and four now very confident when you go game by game i got them at eight and four after that three-game home swing, and then three of the last five on the road. Here's the trap at Detroit. I'm going to give them an L in that game, eight and five. That's that's the Detroit game they always lose during the season. Jamison Williams maybe is fully healthy, goes off in that game for a touchdown, 100 yards, something like that. So eight and five, 
home against Indianapolis. I think they get this one. I don't think Indianapolis is going to be great this year. Maybe they're going to be competent. Matt Ryan should give them competent quarterback play, but who knows where they'll be at that point in the season. So I'm going to, I got the Vikings now 9-5. and five. Then home against the Giants, I'm going to give them 10-5. and five. That's a favorable little two-game swing there after that. Uh, you know, they got five out of six at home uh, to, in that kind of back half of the bye week schedule. So I give them 10-5. and five. Then they finish the season at Green Bay and at Chicago. Two very tough games. I imagine the division might be on the line with that game against Green Bay at Green Bay. I got to pin an L on them there, and I'm going to pin an L on them at Chicago, 10-7. and seven, But somewhere in there, they're going to clinch at least a playoff spot in these seven-game playoffs. So I'm going to give them a playoff berth. I'm going to give them 10-7. and seven. Over-under in Vegas right now is 8.5. I think they're going to beat that total this year. I feel pretty good about that given how loaded up they are this year in terms of you know new regime, keeping some of the veteran holdovers who know how to play, things like that. I think they're at least going to get 9, 10 feels realistic, and maybe 11 if they win one of those toss-up games that I put in the loss column. But it should be a fun season. It should be, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to just seeing how the regime change, how you know the new coach, the new general manager, how the new player philosophy really impacts stuff on the field. And we will get a better taste of that sooner than you think. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have Jim Suhan, Star Tribune columnist, on today's show. Jim, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Michael? I am good. Appreciate the time today. A couple big things I want to get to. One, you wrote about it over the weekend, and Patrick Royce and I talked about it some on Monday's show, but the Byron Buxton kind of managing him through this season, his patellar tendonitis, this idea, this kind of whenever you put a number on something, I think people really latch onto it. And so the twins saying, we want him to play at least 100 games. This is how we're going to get there. But it's a 162 game season. So when you hear that, Jim, what 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 do you think of as they as they try to get the most out of Buxton? But also that means getting, you know, having him on the bench three out of every eight games, essentially. You know, basically. Their view after working, and let's face it, they've thrown every medical possibility at Byron since he's been in the organization. He hasn't played 100 games since 2017. Uh, he's vital to their success. If they, he's, he's the reason they will make the playoffs if they make the playoffs. If they succeed in the playoffs, it will be because he's healthy and playing every day in the playoffs. And they just view any risk that could send him to an injured list, which would then send him down a rehab assignment, which would then – Take him time to get a swing back. I mean, you know, you, you can't function with him if you miss him for a month or two. So, of course, they want him out there 140, 150 games a year. Of course, they realize how great he is. Of course, he wants to play 140, 50. But any pushing him to play every day, they feel and are justified in feeling it's going to set him back. And if you have setbacks, then you're not a very good team. They win 60% of the game when he plays. They blow in 40% when he doesn't. I mean, he's the difference. So, and, and so, you know, it came to a head this weekend because they didn't use the pinch hitter on Saturday. Why wouldn't you use your best player and your best hitter when you have a chance to win a close game? Well, 
they when they shut they give him a day off, they have him spend the whole day rehabbing, icing, whatever. And to go from being in rehab to running around trying to get warm enough to hit, you know, hit, and then maybe you hit a gapper and you're trying to sprint and, and you know turn that play into a triple, they feel like they could lose him for a month. They just they have to manage the downside. Everybody loves the upside. They have to de- manage and be responsible for the downside. And the downside is dramatic. If he gets hurt for a long time, you're not a good team. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, just because, <clears throat> you know, like you said, they're so much better when he's on the field, obviously. So there's this kind of delicate balance when you're talking about a player that good. And you're right, you know, you don't want to just throw him into the game when he's not ready to play. But it does put them at a certain, you know, he's not going to go on the injured list for this if he's going to have these kind of maintenance days, but it does put them at a little bit of a disadvantage. If not only is he not going to play on those days, but he's not necessarily even available on those days, your bench is shorter. It's just, it becomes a little bit of a, a balancing act, a, a delicate dance for them to, to go through and picking the spots that they want to rest him. And it's just, it's going to be, it's got to be a storyline for the whole year as they kind of watch this, um, you know, because I don't think people are going to take it and say, I understand fans aren't just going to say, yeah, Byron Buxton should rest, you know, should, you know, and to to Falvey's quote was somewhere between a hundred and 162. So people see the hundred and they, they latch onto that. If if it's more like 125, I think people are like, okay, that's a little bit more, you know, reasonable, but how close he gets to whatever number will probably be determined on their plan and how he feels. And it's going to be this balancing act all year. Well, what I've been told is the number and maybe 110. Uh, they view it as rest him, play him, play him. And like this week, they plan to give him Saturday off. They did. They play him Sunday. They're going to play him Monday against the lefty. They're going to play him Tuesday. Then they have a day off when Thursday. So they're going to give him a rest day Wednesday. So you can have two days in a row to rehab Wednesday and Thursday. Then play him again Friday. That is the plan. There is no mystery. It's That is the plan. They're going to try to get 100 good games out of him. And, you know, what you're talking about is fan perception. Fans have no downside. Fans have no responsibility. If a fan took over managing the Twins and, you know, played Buxton every day and then Buxton got hurt and didn't play the rest of the year and they won, they lost 100 games, never came close to winning the playoffs, and Buxton wasn't the player. I mean, fans get to have these opinions because there's no, they have no responsibility. You know, the Twins people are actually working with behind the scenes. They see how much pain he's in. This is a painful injury. Sure. To swing the bat. Uh, he cannot play 140 games, get through the season, and be productive, and he will probably be, not be a very good player in a lot of those games if he played in them. It's not really delicate. It's not complicated. If you play him more than a certain amount, he's going to get hurt, and then you're screwed. Tendonitis is, you know, I don't think it's a forever problem, but it is the kind of thing that can flare up, even if you kind of feel like you've managed it, get it under control. I mean, is this, I mean, is this kind of, the plan is this a forever plan at a certain point, and they haven't said that, but it kind of feels like it could be because you know, not just this, but his injury history. It's really interesting because I've covered the twins since it was just you know, really one athletic trainer and an assistant, and they were good people and they worked hard, but it was one, one person and an assistant and just trying to figure stuff out on the fly with a large roster. Now they are throwing everything they have. I mean, the twins have built out their organization that way medical experts and consultants and therapists. And I mean, they're throwing everything they have at it and it just hurts. 
It's just that simple. It hurts. And there's no way of really getting around that. Uh, I think they will try another wave of treatments in the off season, try to get them a point and, and rest, get them a point where that pain disappears and maybe you can play them 140 games. But none of that's on the table this year. His leg hurts. You can't decelerate. It hurts to decelerate. It hurts to swing a bat. They just have to manage it. There's no way around it right and, now. And this was, I mean, was this the injury when he, um, was this is an aggravation of the injury when he slid into second base. Was that this thing again? That's, and that's why it was so, such a dramatic thing. And that's why uh, basically he'd been dealing with it. They had been planning, talking to him, planning about it. It was very worrisome to everybody involved because the pain wouldn't go away. He slides hard and decelerating and sliding to a base feet first really hurts. Um, so when he slid into second base and felt that searing pain, he thought he had just blown the season. He, he felt that pain. He thought it's over. I just blew the, blew out the season and you know, I'm letting my teammates down. It was, and he had the very emotional reaction. And then they took the test and said, Hey, no, this is just the kind of pain you're going to be dealing with. And he's willing to play with pain, but he's also very fearful of getting knocked out for the season. Now he played, I feel like he played a lot right at the start of the year. I feel like he played a bunch of games in a row and we're like, okay, maybe this is going to be Byron Buxton this series. Is this a, a plan that has evolved from your understanding or is, has this always been, okay, they had this number from the beginning of the year. Uh, I, I'd have to look up his game log and maybe I'll do it as we're even talking here. I'd have to look up his game log, but I also think, you know, early April baseball, there are a lot of built-in days off. So he might, he might've played a lot of games, but there, it might've been because there were built-in days off and they could afford to play him because he had natural rest days. Yeah. He played, let's see, he played the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. He played six days in a row at the start of the year. Um, so he had, he had that. I'm not sure if those were all outfield games or if those were, he had had a DH game mixed in there, but you know, so it seems like, and then he had the, you know, he played the, uh, and the next game he played was the 15th and that's when he got hurt and the first, missed, missed that week. So, you know, I, it seems like, you know, he played six games in a row to start the year. So I don't know if this is something they've kind of had to manage as it got worse as the year goes on or whatnot. But I mean, he started off the year on the, on the tear. He had those three home runs right away and then gets hurt, comes back, does well again. So, you know, it, it's just going to be an interesting thing to watch because you're right. They are so much better when he's on the field. What are they 15 and eight this year when he plays? Seven. And yeah. that's, and that's been, I mean, again, since 2017, they win 60% of the time when he plays, 40% when he doesn't. I mean, he's the difference between being a good playoff team and having a horrible season. Well, and there's incentive this year because I don't think we thought the AL Central was going to be this bad. In fact, I think people thought that there was going to be three, you know, maybe even four decent teams in this division. You looked at the, the White Sox and you thought, okay, pretty good team coming off of last year. You thought Cleveland was maybe going to be in the mix with their pitching, and they might still. I mean, it's, it's early. Detroit kind of had that, hey, maybe they're on the rise kind of feel to them. Uh, you know, this this point in the season, you know, we're not that deep into it, but, you know, we're getting close to that one-quarter mark. This is not looking to be a good division. This is a t- you know, Twins could win this division with, you know, mid-80s wins this year, mid, mid to upper 80s wins by the time this is all sorted out. So, Keeping him healthy for the playoffs, there is an incentive to that, not just getting there, but actually having a chance once you get there. And the, I had that conversation with a few people yesterday over there, and internally they're really optimistic about this team. They love their pitching depth. They love Duran. Come, you know, and 
being able, being so useful at the end of games. They feel like if Buxton's on the field, they're going to win a high percentage of games. They have roster depth. They have organizational depth. They think a lot of the guys who haven't gotten it going yet are going to hit. So there's a lot of optimism over there. And that's one thing they keep telling me. So they need to manage him not just to get through the season, but the whole point of getting through the season is getting into the postseason. And what good would it do you to get in the postseason and not have Buxton available? So if it comes down to must-win games in September, he'll play every day. If they get in the postseason, he'll play every game. Uh, but they they just feel like there's there's no upside to putting him at risk right now. It's a new era, and we're going to have to get used to that. But I get it. I think there's some some uh, wisdom to that. Let's switch gears, Jim, for a little bit before I let you go. Lynx are 0-4. I think they played better over the weekend in that loss to Chicago. But it feels like we haven't gone a day without – a roster move and a significant one at that, you know, as last week was, you know, Angel McCautry out, Odyssey Sims out, you know, before that it was, you know, Laisha Clarendon out uh, and, you know, getting rid of Crystal Dangerfield. I mean, this is a, a, a lot of roster churn for a team that we're used to not only winning, but having a certain level of stability. And, you know, Cheryl Reeve is someone who looks at it and is not going to stand pat and say, if something's not working, let's just, you know, let's just ride it out. Uh, she she will make those hard and fast decisions from the outside looking in. I'm a little more outside looking in than you probably are on this team. It looks like they are really struggling and this is going to be, this could be a lost season at 0-4. But you told me before we started recording that even if they don't get it going right away because they got two tough games against the Sparks and Las Vegas, um, that this is still, a, that they still feel good about this when, when Kayla McBride comes back. Yeah, uh, you know, last year they started 0-4. Right. They finished 22-10, and 10, and if Clarendon – they feel like if Clarendon had been healthy and Collier had played better, they had a chance of beating Chicago at home. Chicago was the eventual champion. So they, they really don't like conceding. Um, and I think two things really ha- – two things ha- – three things happened that really spurred this bad early season. Uh, number one, they love Clarendon as a player, but – Clarendon not being healthy down the stretch in the playoffs last year killed them. And as soon as they felt like Clarendon was not going to be healthy this year, they felt like they needed to make a change. So all of a sudden they go from having a point guard who can really run the offense the way they want it run to not having a point guard. Uh, Dangerfield, talented player, has definite upside, but just didn't, again, didn't run the offense the way they want it run. And if you've noticed, Clarendon hasn't been picked up. Dangerfield just got cut by a bad Indiana team. So it's not like the league is going, oh, my God, you screwed that up. McCautry, uh, at her best, she's one of the greatest t- players of all time. Her knee was not allowing her to get in shape. She just couldn't function. Uh, and Powers, frankly, played lousy the first few games. Powers is a star caliber player. She played She played a good first half at Seattle, and she was horrible for two and a half games after that. She should be their best player right now. She's not. She, but in game four – just having a professional point guard in Jefferson, just having them run their offense the way they want it run, that combined with the emergence of Jess Shepard as an impact player, they looked good. Uh, they didn't win, but they looked good. They looked like they played the way they want to play. They get McBride back. They have a, a real point guard running things uh, with the addition of Shepard playing well. They could be very competitive here in the, in the short term. Yeah, it's just we're just not used to that. I know you. I know they started zero four last year. It's just the the churn, and it, it's it's just interesting that you know you just don't see teams make that many dramatic moves, even if there are good reasons for them. It's just it 
when they happen, bam, 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 like that, it's very unusual for the, you know, because not only do we get used to this team winning, you know, all those, you know, all those years making those deep runs, winning four titles, but it was the same core. It was like, you know, you add little pieces here and there. And yet obviously the Sylvia Fowles move halfway through the, the kind of dynasty was a huge deal and she's still playing at a very high level. And what she says is her last year, but there just wasn't that, that sense of kind of chaos. And this, it, it has felt like chaos, even if it's warranted chaos. Yeah. Uh, well, they had five hall of famers back in the day and they had a <laughs> who, was, who thought in lockstep with Reeve. Um, you know, so they, they get rid of Clarence because of injuries. They gave her a danger field because they just didn't think she was going to get where they needed her to be, especially not this year. Uh, they bring in Sims who would have been a good fit. Whatever went wrong with Sims went wrong, but she had the capability if she could have gotten in the game shape of being the kind of point guard they would like to have. That didn't work out. Bantam is an off the bench shooter combo guard. She's really not a, a starting point guard in the WNBA. Um, so, I mean, you just kept going through the options and Cheryl could have just said, okay, we're going to go with, you know, Turner and Bantam but that would have been conceding you're not going to be any good this year. So they needed somebody who plays the way they want. And, you know, now, now you know, a week from now, it could be uh, Jefferson, McBride, Powers, Shepard, Fowles, with some good players coming off the bench. Now all of a sudden you've gone from looking like you have, you know, you don't have a roster to having one of the better rosters in the WBA. And when Cheryl has talent, she wins. It's a good point. Good points all, Jim Suhan. Thanks for the time today. We will see how many games Byron Buxton ends up playing this year and how many games the Lynx end up winning this year. We'll be watching both of those, and you will be writing about both of those, I am sure, many times to come. Take care. Thanks, Michael. Good catching up with Jim Suhan. A couple of postscripts to our conversation about the Twins. They, of course, won 3-1 to one on Monday night. Byron Buxton did play in that game. Didn't didn't factor too heavily in the result, but the Twins, again, got good pitching. I think it's like the 12th time since they started their winning streak that they've won by allowing two or fewer runs. And Buxton did have an RBI in the game, one for five. Gary Sanchez, a long home run. Royce Lewis scored a couple runs. He's been a factor for them lately as well, showing that he's maybe ready for prime time. Carlos Correa, interestingly enough, asked about the Buxton rest plan, says, uh, if you don't like it, you don't know baseball. Carlos Correa, of course, someone who knows a, you know, knows a thing or two a thing, about a thing or two about staying healthy for the postseason, but also has had his share of injuries over the years as well, is on, has been out for a little while lately as well. Interestingly enough, his quote in Phil Miller's story, he wants to be out there every day when he's on the field. He's been performing at the highest of levels. He has 11 homers already. When you look at Byron and his knees this early in the year, that's something that you've got to be careful with, and you've got you've got to take the necessary precautions in order for him to stay on the field. I'd rather have him for 120 games of a full season than have him for 50 because he's trying to do too much. Now, I, I get that, and I think that's, that's a relevant, you know, it's a relevant way to look at it. I'd certainly rather have Byron Buxton for 120 games than 50 games. Now, the flip side of that is the fan experience. Got an email late last night from emailer Brian says, As I listened to your discussion with Patrick Royce about Buxton's load management calendar, I couldn't help thinking that this is probably worse than Kyrie Irving's decision to force himself out of playing in games where he wasn't allowed to appear. 
Um, at least he knew he wasn't going to play in games in New York, Toronto, etc. Buxton's case is worse. As long as they don't make his calendar public, I don't know when he's not in the lineup, which now presents the Twins with another reason that attendance is down. As long as they won't say which games Buxton is in and which he's out, I'm not going to drive 250 miles round trip to see a game he won't play. Not all fans that attend games live close to target fields. So if I know in advance the three of the eight games he won't play, I know not to attend. Similarly, he's one of the reasons I'd go watch a game. So if I knew he was in the lineup, I'd make the trip. There's only a handful of games I go to each summer. If I'm making that trip, I want Byron Buxton in the lineup, in parentheses, and I want Joe Ryan to be pitching. And that's a good point. If you go to a game, you don't know if Byron Buxton's going to play. He's not the only reason you're going to a game. And I don't know if that's the majority reason. But when you go to a game, you want to see every team's best player. So when teams rest players, and this has been a problem in the NBA, this has been a problem you know, across the board. When they rest players or give them the day off, it's a disappointment. I still remember going to a San Francisco Giants game like almost 20 years ago and Barry Bonds was not in the lineup. He did pinch hit later, but that was a disappointment. It was like you go to a game in San Francisco, you travel a long way just to see a baseball game. You want to see the best players on that team. And, you know, we did get to see him bat once, but that still sticks out as a memory. If you're a Byron Buxton fan, you want to see Byron Buxton play. And if he's not playing, that is a disappointment, even if there are practical reasons for it. Let's finish with the cooler. Quick recruiting update. David LeVake and I talked uh, Minnesota football recruiting last week, high school recruiting. Robbinsdale Cooper's Jackson Howard, top-ranked recruit in Minnesota for the class of 23, said Monday he's narrowed his list of colleges to four. The Gophers, LSU, Miami, and Michigan. That is a pretty impressive list. He's a pretty impressive athlete, 87th-ranked player overall in the 247sports.com composite ranking of national recruiting services so we will see where he ends up going he is expected to visit the gophers on an official visit in june and we will see what he does from there that will do it for today's show jerry zagoda should be on with me wednesday to talk minnesota united soccer big matches coming up for them soon and not a lot of goals for them lately hope you enjoyed it we'll be back at it again on wednesday 